Good morning, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. morning. Everybody doing good? Well, I just want to welcome you to uh, Connect Community Church. And uh, my name is Pastor Derek. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect. It's an honor to to be with you this morning, a a special service. But I'll start by just saying uh, we're in a series entitled Real Life. Everybody say Real Life. And uh, we've been just talking about all aspects of relationships. Uh, We're going to continue the series again next week and then right on into Father's Day. But in uh, week one, as you know, my wife kicked it off talking about parenting life and the the role of a parent. She's got a lot of fans. (coughs) It was our highest attendance Sunday ever. And so I was like, honey, keep keep going, keep going. She said, no way. I don't want to do that. I don't want your job. So, um, but then, and then the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about marriage, uh, kind of from the, the lens of a man and also from the lens of a woman. Um, obviously, that hit a nerve. We, we blew out our CDs. Everybody was taking them like crazy. People were coming back, stealing them. Uh, all kinds of stuff was going on. So, hawking them on the streets. And uh, so, obviously, this, is, uh, this has hit a nerve. Um, we're, today, we're going to talk about leader life. Everybody say leader life. And so we're going to talk about the role of the leader with the church and the church with the leader. Um, and I, I, I hope to uh, kind of uh, tie this into a very special occasion, which of course is the installation of a, of a new associate pastor, Rodrigo de Jesus. Yes. We call him Deej. Some people are calling him P. Deej now. I'm P. D. He's P. Deej. So that's kind of funny. Um, Eventually, you know, as he, as he escalates in his influence, he won't have any letters. It'll just be a picture, you know, like, like Prince, you know what I mean? You know how he just, that's funny for some people. I don't care what you say. Anyway, <laughs> so things will progress. But uh, speaking of levity, I just thought I'd open up with a little bit of a story about uh, kind of a, a pastor, maybe, maybe, maybe not having the optimal influence, but uh, there was a pastor and a taxi driver, and they arrived in heaven at the pearly gates. And again, this is not theologically correct, so everybody just... Drop your rocks. But uh, they, they meet St. Peter there, and he approached the taxi driver and said, Welcome, welcome. Of course, this is a, a modern heavens. He said, Look at the plasma screen TV, and you'll be able to see your inheritance. And so uh, St. Peter points the, the taxi driver to the plasma screen TV, and the taxi driver looks at the screen, and he saw a beautiful aerial view of this huge mansion with a massive golf course, swimming pools, and more. And, and St. Peter turned to the pastor, and he waved his hands and said, okay, you get to look over here at the other plasma screen TV. This is yours. This is your inheritance. And um, on the screen, the pastor only saw this overgrown field with a little hut in the middle of the field. Needless to say, he was a little bit upset, and so he said, he said, St. Peter, there must be a mistake. There's just gotta be something wrong. Is that all I get? Why does the taxi driver get so much, and then I get so little? And so, well, St. Peter said, when you preached, everyone fell asleep, but when the taxi driver hit the road, everyone prayed like crazy for their souls. So today, we're going to make sure that uh, nobody's falling asleep, and uh, I'm going to do my best as your pastor to kind of talk about the role of a pastor, the role of an elder as well. I want to also mention that we're installing new elders today, and so with a growing church and a growing population, we need more uh, spiritual leaders to help assist the health of our church and keep our services uh, growing and vibrant, and so I'll announce them in just a little bit. Uh, We'll install these new leaders together. The message and the contents of this message really have application to both pastor and elder. They're really similar words in the New Testament. 
Uh, and so when you're addressing them, you'll see that they, uh, they have strong correlations between the two. Today's service is somewhat unusual if you're a guest or if you're kind of a a first-time visitor, or even a frequent flyer. This may be something that's kind of new for you. Uh, as a family, there's some terms that we're maybe more familiar with, and so I'll try my best to kind of contextualize things for you. But let me start by saying, if, you, if you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard about or heard the term, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, if you've heard of the term, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we just raise your hand or smile. All right, so a lot of you have heard of that term. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And, and it, it's a little cerebral maybe to uh, dissect them this way, but there are kind of three main categories of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are uh, the, the motivational uh, gifts, there are the ministry gifts, and then there are the manifested gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we believe at Connect Community Church in the person and the work and the works of the Holy Spirit wholeheartedly. However, what I want to kind of highlight today is a, a different, uh, different gift, or not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the gifts of Jesus. Everybody say the gifts of Jesus. Jesus left and he gave us gifts, and, and they are what we refer to as the office gifts. That's a different category than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're referred to, again, as the office gifts. And so when the Holy Spirit came, he brought gifts. But when Jesus came, he gave gifts. And so this is better teaching, by the way, than you even realize. But anyway, uh, what we're going to read about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, if you want to look in your worship guide, I believe it's in there, or you can look on the screen, or in your Bibles, or a new version, or whatever works for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 it says this, and I'm going um, to be reading from uh, the NIV uh, most of the time, and some of the times I'll be reading from the New King James Version today, so you'll see a little contrast. Uh, I particularly like uh, the New King James Version because it's a word-for-word translation, and in some situations, I need that. All right, Ephesians 4:11. it says, And he himself, referring to Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for... What? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There are, these are often referred to as the five-fold ministry gifts. Jesus gave us these gifts. Why is, this, why is this so important? Well, it's important because this may sound weird to you, but Deej is a gift. Deej is a gift. He's a gift from Jesus to us. And you cannot return him either. No refunds. No buybacks, no redemption, okay? And his, as a gift, his purpose primarily, and this is so critical for you to see, is to equip you, the body, for the ministry, for ministry. And so, in fact, the reason the church often stops growing, the reason that it kind of hits a standstill and hits a lid a lot of times, is because there is a tremendous misunderstanding from the pastors and from the people in the church about the role of a pastor, the role of an elder, and so, therefore, there's, there's, it's so important that ministry be seen right, and, and it's so important that we understand our roles. And so I want to set Pastor Deej, P. Deej, up for success today. And so, in fact, tonight at, at uh, C101, which is our, in our growth track, we talk about spiritual family. But one of the things that I often do when I'm talking to uh, 
uh, future family members. We say at C101, it's an orientation or it's an opportunity to become a part of spiritual family. You can find out what we're all about, look under the hood, kind of get um, you know, our, our structure, our statement of faith, our purposes, our strategy, all those things. Who's this guy? Who's he connected to? All those things that people have questions about, we address that tonight at C101. But one of the things that I say to the people often is I'll, tur- I'll look at them and I'll say, hey guys, just get up, look away from your notes and your syllabus and look me in the eye. And I'll say basically this, I'll say, I will let you down if I'm your individual pastor. If you see me as the one who's going to meet all your needs, I will fail you. I will fail you. Because that is not my role. That is not my primary responsibility. My primary responsibility is to equip you and help you see that right. Are you tracking with me? And so the reason the church stops growing, especially in New England, is because everyone And and there's a place for this, but everyone wants to be ministered to instead of being ministering to others. Everybody comes to church saying, okay, feed me, feed me, feed me. And and that is a a role of a pastor is to to lead and to feed. But that is under the the auspices of his, his, the office of a pastor is to do that. But that that is in essence equipping, not necessarily doing all the ministry. And the people often lay ministry down and the pastor picks it up and does it all. And as we begin, that, I just want to say that's not Deej's job as we go forward. And that's not the elder's job is to do all the ministry. And let me explain before you get confused. Again, he's an equipper. And the revel- this revelation embraced, I think, can continue to affect the culture and the health of our church. Look at Ephesians 4 again. Most people, when they read this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, they think that the most important word in Ephesians 4.11, in particular, when it's referring to the five-fold ministry, this is what I thought when I was growing up, that the most important word was the word apostle. He's like the big kahuna within the five-fold ministry heads, all right? In, within the office gifts, apostle. That's the most important word. But truly, the most important word in verse 11 is this, and see if you can see it. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. He repeats a particular word over and over again, and the word is some. He gave some. Why did he say that? He said that because we don't need that many. You know, anything with too many heads, you know, is scary. You know, and so what what we do need many of and not some of is saints. Everybody say saints. Saints. The truth is we change the world. Uh, we, We won't change the world necessarily by having many pastors. We'll change the world by having some pastors and we'll change the world by having many saints empowered and using their gifts. And the truth is this should be really called sixfold ministry because without saints, no ministry happens. In fact, all the five offices in essence have the same ministry. Their role is to equip. They do it different ways, but their role is in essence to equip. A prophet has the, the, the responsibility uh, to, to bring correction sometimes and, and exhortation to the body. And the evangelist has the role of, of you know, ministry, of, of winning souls and multiplication. And the pastor has the role, you know, of direction and leading and feeding. And the apostle uh, has the role of affirmation and raising up and building ministry through sons. All these different offices, they have a role, but in essence, they're all equippers. They're all equippers. But what the church needs is many saints. It's, it's, it's the saints who do the ministry, and some people equip them. And Deej's job is to equip, but as a saint, he can do ministry. But as a pastor, he must be an equipper. Does that make sense? 
I mean, during the week and, 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 and out in the margins outside of his, of his office function, he can be a saint ministering uh, when, he, when he's at the gym. I stress when he's at the gym. <laughs> he, can, he can minister that way as a saint, you know, um, and so he can, he can evangelize and he can help people and he can serve people in all that capacity. He can do that as a saint. And, but when he is operating in the office of a pastor, he is called to equip. And a saint is not some, a, you know, a dead priest, but it's a living person, according to the Bible, who does ministry. Amen? A, a saint is someone who's available, someone who serves, someone who, who, who ministers to people. But what is the role of a pastor? Are you ready for that? Now you know your role a little bit, and, and it helps you understand pastor's role, but I have, there's four responsibilities and four charges for you, Deej, and for you as elders as we kind of go forward here. And the reality is there is a traditional way, and there is a biblical way to do church and ministry. And, and, and again, we simply believe that a saint is a minister, and every pastor is an equipper. And so, but I want, to, I want you to see some things from Scripture that are kind of uh, responsibilities, that inside those responsibilities, I believe there are charges to us as leaders. Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to read this big chunky text and then I'm going to break it down for you. Exodus 18 says, and so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. That's kind of the traditional pastor's hours. Not necessarily good, morning till evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and the other, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing you do is not good. Everybody say, not good. Then it says this, both you and these people, who loses out? Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and, I'll, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all people able men, such as fear God. This is the selection process for leaders. Men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that shall bring, they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you. Didn't say easy, just said easier. For they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so, that God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all, and all this people will also go their place in peace. So this is good for the leader and this is good for the people. Exodus 18 says, what are you, 17 says, what you're doing is not good. You and these people, you'll wear yourselves out. It's because the work is too heavy and you can't handle it by yourself. In other, in other words, the Bible way of doing church is, is just, it's good for both of us. Say it's good for me too. So if, if, if I'm the only one who marries and, 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 and does funerals and does all the discipleship and does all the counseling and does all the serving, does all the hospital visits, need I go on, uh, then I'm going to wear myself out. And, and it's not the right way. And this is why 90% of churches in America are less than 200 people. In New England, 90% of churches in New England are less than 75 people. It's because the pastor doesn't know his role and the people don't know their role. It wears them out. 
And so the New England church sizes are substantially smaller because of this misunderstanding about the role and purpose of a pastor and the people. In Exodus, we see uh, the first church. Israel, you could say, is, is kind of the first church. And most statistics say that Israel was between 1.6 and like 2.5 million people at the time of the great Exodus. And let's just say, round it up, there were 2 million, around somewhere in the middle, let's just say there's 2 million people. Let's just say that Moses was trying to pastor, check this out, 2 million people. Turn to your neighbor and say, that is crazy. Turn to your second choice and say, that is crazy. That's nuts. Obviously, this was the largest church in the world, and he probably, uh, Moses as pastor, had a lot of notoriety, a lot of respect within the denomination, probably one at the time. Uh, you, could, you could even say, you could even go so far as to say it's some pretty good stats, baptized two million people at the Red Sea. You know what I mean? Some people believe that that and refer to that in scriptures as a type of baptism. So that's pretty impressive. It might have been good for his reputation, might have been good for his notoriety and ministry, but I can assure you it wasn't good for his health and it wasn't good for his family. It was bad for all those. And so Jethro comes along and he says, I've got three things that I want to tell you. And I'm going to add a fourth one to today's message. But he says, Moses, this is what your role is. Number one, he says, number one is your role is to pray. Elders, pastor, deeds, you're to pray you to pray. This is so often minimized. Exodus 18, 19 says, listen now to my voice and I will give counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that, so that you may bring the difficulties before God. And you guys are reading in the NIV. I'm reading the New King James, so I apologize. But stand before God for the people. The wrong way to do it, church is for the clergy to represent God to the people. This is kind of the I could get into some denominations and church experiences that you've had, but he says, no. He says, you are not supposed to represent God to the people. Rather, you are supposed to represent the people to God. I'm not supposed to represent God to you. I'm supposed to represent the people to God. Are you tracking with me? It's a completely different thing. It's night and day. One of your main responsibilities, Deej, is to pray. And unfortunately, this is one of the, the, the least common habits of a pastor is to pray. Because they're meeting with everyone else. The most important meeting we should have is to meet with God, not with people. You got to say, I'm booked. I got an appointment already. Why is this so difficult? Because your pastor, P. Deej, loves people. That's why it's so difficult. Because pastors love people. And so it's hard to pull away. And we think one of our main responsibilities is to minister to people. But our main responsibility is to minister to God on behalf of the people. Indeed, you'll multiply yourself. And elders, you'll multiply yourself. And you'll get more done when you place yourself in the presence of God first, not in the presence of people. And so my charge to you first, Deej, and elders, is you're to go before God before you go before the people. The next piece of advice that Jethro gives, and I believe it applies to us as pastors and leaders, is to teach the word. Everybody say, teach the word. This is the role of a pastor. This is my job. This is Deej's job. Exodus 18.20 says, And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way, the way, remember that, in which they must walk and the work, remember that, that they must do. Many pastors, um, in particular senior pastors who are preparing to speak or teach or whatever, whatever capacity that is, most of the, for example, most of their message prep, uh, they spend a, a minimum, excuse me, a maximum of four hours a week in message prep. That is, for the most part, all the time they spend in the Word during the week. That is a statistic. 
Just all, only time they spend in the Word, preparing to teach the Word, is four hours in relationship to their weekend worship experience related to their services. They don't spend any of the time in the Word for themselves for the most part. This is bad, really bad. But don't get mad at pastors. This is the system. It's out of whack. It's because the church sometimes, this, there's a give and take on this. It's because the church sometimes doesn't understand what is the primary responsibility. Church people want fresh bread every week, and, and, and yet they want you to be in every meeting, every encounter. Every, you're expected to be in the office every day, all day, and this is wrong. And so it's important that as leaders we get in the word before we get with people. How can you bring anything fresh to leaders when you're in the office till, from sunup to sundown? You can't. And so there's just kind of two areas that he mentions, and the charge is this, Deej. You've got to show them the way before you show them the work. You've got to show them the way before you show them the work. The way is all about character. It's all about the stuff that's going on inside. It's all about our inner man. You have to deal with the character of a person. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 78, 72, that David, who was the shepherd, a great shepherd, a great pastor, he led them with integrity of heart, character, and skillful hands. So the way and the work. But the way comes before the work. And we have to make sure that we have, uh, that our gifts have the corresponding character. Deej, it's important that the gifts that God's given to you have the corresponding character because your gifts will take you way further than your character will keep you if you don't. And so you have to give away what you've already disciplined yourself to have in your own life. The next charge and the next responsibility, number three, is to raise up leaders. Everybody say raise up leaders. This is such a, a missing component in the church today, and that's why it stands still. Our church does very well at this, but we have a lot of room to grow in this capacity. Uh, but we have to raise up leaders. Exodus 18.1, 18.21 says, Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. In other words, that's all about the way. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And this is what we're going to do today. We're gonna, we've selected men uh, who we know to be capable men, men who fear God and trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, who have the character and integrity necessary, and we're going to uh, uh, anoint them by the laying on of hands to lead the people. But the question that I want to highlight is, is, there, is that I believe there's another, or is there another New Testament scripture that tells us to do what Jethro says? Can we see something in the new that we see uh, here in the old and the, that where, where you see the same instruction coming from Jethro? Does it happen in the New Testament? Is there some place there where it says pray? Is there some place where it says teach? Is there some place where it says raise up leaders? And there is one. In Acts chapter 6, I don't know if this is in your notes, but it's in mine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 6, uh, it says, uh, verse 1, it says, Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, that's kind of cool, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So there are widows that the church took care of. We take care of widows in our church. You may not realize that, but we do. Um, then it says, um, The twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, so that the apostles came, summoned the disciples and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We need to pull out from this population that is ministering to all the people, leaders who will pour into the people and equip the people and bring spiritual health to the people. Are you tracking with me? I used to read this and almost get offended. Like, what's the matter with serving tables? That's not the point here. 
The point here is that there need always to be some people who are equipping people for the work of the ministry. Everybody shouldn't be doing the ministry. Does that make sense to everybody out there? And so the New Testament pattern is the same as the Old Testament pattern. The windows were neglected, and it wasn't that they weren't important, but rather the 12 were saying, this is not the role or job of a pastor. We must do what we are called to do, or everyone suffers like it was mentioned in Exodus 18. And so your pastor can't be serving all the tables. He can't be doing all the ministry. He needs to be raising up and developing leaders. He needs to develop, he needs to delegate, not to eliminate responsibility like my daddy taught me, but you, de- you delegate to develop leaders. Otherwise, you put a lid on the church of Jesus Christ and people, in essence, are eternally separated from him because we don't have the church operating the way it's supposed to. And so, truthfully, pastors have left the word They've left prayer. They've left raising up leaders and they're serving tables. And those things are important. Please understand this. But the church can get ugly and it can get dysfunctional. I mean, really ugly and really dysfunctional. A lot of conflict. Uh, the, the, whole, the whole government of the church starts looking dysfunctional. People are trying to get position and title instead of understanding what their role and responsibilities are. And everything gets all out of whack when we don't do it God's way. Here's, here's, he's going to raise up some more leaders here. In Numbers 11, I think this is in your notes, verse 10, it says, Then Moses heard the people weeping. Look at this. He heard the people weeping through their families. Oh, this sounds so much like my life. Everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you afflicted your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I going to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me. He personalizes this. He says, saying, give us meat that we may eat. Feed me, feed me, feed me, pastor. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Verse 15, it says this. This is the prayer of every burned out pastor. If you treat me like this, God, please kill me here and now. If I've found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my wretchedness. He says, if you, if you love me, if you like me, kill me. Do you realize that one out of three pastors statistically leave the ministry because of what I just read? Some of the elders are going, why did I sign up for this? (laughs) I'm telling you why people burn out. I'm telling you why people burn out. Because it's a burden. And it's a burden if the pastor doesn't understand his role. And it's a burden if the elders don't understand his role. And it's a burden if the people don't understand their role. It's a big burden. I'm not going to kid you. I'm not going to lie. Early in ministry, I thought I was so ready for pastoring. Oh, I thought I was ready. Daddy, give me the reins. Give me the reins. Give me the reins. I can't wait. I can preach, man. I can preach. Like that's all that ministry was. I didn't understand. I remember a year later, this is the short version of it. I told Deej this recently. I was in the, sh- I was in the shower, and, and I was just kind of a long day, and I was kind of leaning up against the shower. The water was going down my back. And I remember the Lord saying, now I'm going to put the weight of the church on you right now. And literally, I could barely stand up. I remember dropping to my knees and crying my eyes out uncontrollably. It is kind of funny to, in, a, in a way. My dad's laughing because he identifies. There's very few people in here who understand. It was a tremendous weight. It was like, okay, buddy, you're responsible for all these people in a way, in a shape, wait, you know, some shape, form. 
You're responsible. You, you just thought it was all getting up here and talking to people, telling them all this great stuff you can't wait to share. It's so much more than that. It's a weight. There's a burden to it. And, and, it, and it's even bigger if you don't follow the recipe Jethro gives us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me? Even the greatest pastor of all, next to Jesus perhaps, Paul said after listing all the difficulties he faced in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he went through all these things that had happened, shipwrecked at sea and bitten by a snake and whipped way worse than even Jesus was. He went through all these different things and it says, plus I have the weight of all the churches. It's like he was basically saying, that was all bugs on the windshield compared to this. Everybody's wants, all the pastors and elders want to run out of the room right now. There's a weight and there's a pressure, pressure to church life and you, and you, and that you must carry. But don't do it wrong, Deej, and don't do it alone, elders. How is it pressure? Because when, when, when you have to hear almost daily the burdens of the people, you know, divorce, sickness, conflict, addictions, job loss, abuse. I mean, I could just go all day. You sit on there with your sphere. I sit on here with this sphere and here way more. And I'm not looking for pity, and nor am I trying to get pity for you. I'm just trying to put things in perspective so that we can see it, so that we can see it right. It's constant. And if I don't take those burdens to God on behalf of the people, instead of bringing everything from God to the people, things get messed up. And so I do hear good reports all the time, but the bad reports hurt and they hinder sometimes. And that's why you must pray. You must teach the word and you must raise up leaders. If not, you'll be like Moses. If you love me, Jesus, kill me. Just kill me now. So you're called, elders and Pastor Deej, you're called to take care of the people spiritually, not physically, spiritually. Later on in the same chapter, uh, verse 16 and 17, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people, and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting. Where do you bring them? You bring them to church. You bring them in the presence of God, that they may stand there with you. They do ministry alongside you. This is how you raise them up, Deeds. You bring them in the presence of God. You bring them right alongside you, doing ministry right alongside you. Then it says, Then I will come, God, down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you, and I'll put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you not, may not bear it yourself alone. To the church, this is how we raise up leaders. Why we must raise up more leaders. Even a year from now, I can see myself doing this all over again, if not sooner. But we have to appoint people whom you know. Notice that scripture doesn't say who you don't know. Appoint people you know that they may stand with you and, and then you, you let them do it. You let them do ministry. Get them doing it. We need more leaders to do ministry to reach more people, and that's our role. We gotta get them in the presence of God. We gotta transfer the anointing that's on us to other people, not just keep it on us. If you're being equipped, don't wait until you're perfect. You know to step up, by the way. I could just go off in this particular point, but we need to step out, you know? That's what the, the, the new elders are stepping up, and they're, ste and they're getting ready to step out. I'm so proud of them for willing to step up and step out. You know, they, they got some concerns, and there's some things they don't know, and, and, um, but people aren't perfect. By the way, if you think this is the perfect church, uh, you know, it, it isn't. <laughs> if you're looking for the perfect church, don't go there because you'll, you'll make it imperfect. <laughs> I mean that in love. Anyway, so those are the three things that Jethro says here. I want to give you the fourth thing as I conclude, okay? And this is the biggest one, Deej, and elders. This is, this is a role of, of, this is your primary role, to be a good husband and good father. This is your first responsibility. 
I have saved the most important for last. This is the top requirement for a pastor, New Testament or Old Testament. And, and I got to go back to Exodus 18, but it says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, that's his wife, after he had sent her back. What did he do? He, he sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom and the other one was Eleazar. And, and, um, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he had encamped at the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Let me give you what's going on here. You may not realize this, but on the way to Egypt, Moses and his wife had a fight. Moses and his wife, they had a fight. And he sent her back to live with her father. All right? Wow. Are you you guys tracking with this so far? They, They are separated for most of Moses' ministry. All right, and so now in verse 6, Jethro sends word, because he's not with Moses, he's not there, I'm bringing her back to you and these kids also. All right, are you guys tracking with me? Three times in verses 1 through 6, he says, I'm coming with her. Translation, I don't want her anymore. I released her already, and I don't want her back. And I've raised my kids already, and you need to have them now. And so I'm coming to you, bringing her and these boys back to you. Are you tracking? So why did they have a fight? Why did he send her back? What does this all mean to us today? You, this is not in your notes, and this is something I got this morning for you, Deej, in particular, Exodus chapter 4, verse 19 through 23. This is what it says. This is so powerful. I pray that you can get all this. Exodus 4, in verse 19, we see Moses gets his mission in verse 19, basically, he, he gets the instruction from God. In verse 19, it says this. It says, Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who are wanted to kill you are dead. He, he sends them back to be a savior. He sends them back to rescue the people. And, and, and some people don't know their mission, but God gave Moses his mission. And then in verse 20, it says this, so Moses took his wife and sons, uh, put them on the donkey, and started back to Egypt. No ministry starts without the family. And he took the staff of God in his hand. This was before the fight. He took the staff of God in his hand. The rod of God refers to your ministry, your gift. Where's, my, where's the staff? This refers, this is a Moses staff that was given to me when I became pastor. And uh, it's got scripture written all over it and all kinds of stuff personalized uh, to me when I became a pastor. But this, I'll just stand with the Moses staff. How's that? Uh, God wants to, uh, this represents your gifts, your, your talents, your, your, the things that you're comfortable with. Before you came into ministry, you have certain things you were comfortable with, and one of them is right over there. That's your staff. That's your instrument. You're very comfortable with that. And so God wants to take something that you have natural and, and use it for something greater, supernatural. But for that natural thing to be used greater, you have to lay it down. You have to lay it down. As soon as Moses laid it down, no longer was it the staff of Moses, and you can see this in Scripture, it stopped being the staff of Moses, and it became the staff of God from that point forward. It was never known as the staff of Moses after that. But what's important about your gift is, what many men do is they, is you can pick it up the wrong way. If you're going to pick up your gift, you've got to make sure you always pick it up by the tail, because these things can turn into snakes and bite you. You know, a lot of people get bit by their gift because they don't stay humble and they don't stay malleable, don't stay teachable, and they think because they're so good at it in their gift that they don't think they need to surrender it or submit it to God anymore. You always have to lay that down. 
And you make sure whenever you pick it up, you pick it up by the tail. That's your ministry. In verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you, the power to do, but I will harden his heart so that he, will let the people, he won't let the people go. He had to remind Moses to do miracles. First, he got his mission in verse 19. Then he got his ministry in verse 20. Then he reminded him and encouraged him to do miracles. I wouldn't have to be reminded of that. If I had that gift to do miracles like Moses did, he was using powerful, powerful ways. You wouldn't have to remind me, be like, hey, look at this, man. Want to see me laying on a snake? Look at it. Woo! You know, I'd be doing that all the time. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, that's why we don't see miracles like that anymore. Maybe the problem is, is because of pride. Don't let pride get in for the miraculous intervention of God. Maybe it's, Moses was used like this because he was the humblest man in the whole earth. Verse 22 and 23, this was his first message. So he gets his mission, he gets his ministry, he gets the miracles, and he gets the message. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go so I will kill your firstborn. The first message that God gave Moses was, uh, you need to let my son go or I'm going to take your son. You know? And, 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 and Pharaoh wouldn't do it. He gave him 10 chances, he wouldn't do it. He kept trying to take that back. But he got this all from God. He got his... He got his mission, he got his ministry, he got his miracles, and he got his message. And you would think that he, having all this, you would think that he'd be ready to minister. But that's not what happened. And, and, and here's, the, here's what happened. And this is so tough. In verse 24, it says, it came to pass on the way. He has all this in his hands. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Think about this for a second. We're talking about Moses here, okay? We're not talking about, you know, you know, Elmwood Peace Suggins from Booger, Arkansas. We're talking about, we're not talking about some nobody. We're talking about Moses who wrote the five, first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. We're talking about Moses who was there at the Transfiguration. We're talking about Moses who parted the Red Sea. We're talking about Moses, everybody. Moses. Moses. All right? He was a powerful man of God. And, and, and he did all these signs and wonders. And God isn't going to hurt him here at the encampment. He's not going to correct him. He's going to kill him. This may be strong for some of you, and I, I understand. But in other words, God is going to, he's, he's prepared somebody for 80 years of ministry, and he's ready to start over with somebody else. A new baby in a new basket. A new deliverer. Go through the whole process again. He's going to kill Moses. Why? Why was God going to do that? Why was he so angry? Here's the answer, Deej. He was going to preach something that he wasn't living in his own family. He was called to reconstitute or circumcision. He was, he was going to leave. Circumcision represents salvation. Really, in the Old Testament, if you apply it to the New, it's really he's trying to circumcise our heart. God's trying to get all the flesh out and make sure we have a pure heart. That's really what circumcision represents when you read it in the Old Testament. And, 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 and Israel has been in... in um, enslaved for 430 years, and there was no circumcision, so God was going to bring it back to get the people of God's heart right, okay? And he was supposed to preach this message, and he was about to preach it to all the people before he preached it to his family. And God said, no way, Jose. I will take you out. I brought you into this world, and I will take you out. I will not allow you to do something that you do not do in your own house. And so his wife steps up and basically says, you know... <laughs> He, she circumcises the boy for him. And she's upset. And she does it with an attitude, a real bad attitude. And Moses was spared because of her. 
but he was mad. And she shouldn't have had that kind of attitude, but Moses had 40 years to disciple her, and he didn't. She didn't know the ways of God. She knew enough to know that if this isn't right at home, it shouldn't be going out someplace else. And I had to learn this the hard way in my relationship with my wife. And she wasn't Zipporah. She was a lot nicer than that. She didn't circumcise any of my son either. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Wow. Deej, God wants, he wants to circumcise our hearts. He wants to circumcise our home before we can go out and minister. He wants you to disciple your wife before you discipline her or anyone else for that matter, or you'll be disciplined. I remember telling you about this. It's so important that we, we see to it that we manage our family well. First Timothy tells us that. It's hard work. But his, his family missed chapter 4 through 18. He missed all his ministry, all of it. They missed it. They weren't there when the, sea was, the Red Sea was parted. They missed all of that. It's crazy when you think about it. I think this is where, in essence, kids, PKs grow up to hate ministry because of this problem. And... and, and and they hate, they, they hate ministry because the ministry takes their father. The ministry took their father. And so this is, I think this is where the jokes really began. This is where the process really began. And so you have to have a date night. You have to have family time. This one, this, I will not allow this to happen in your life. This is a big deal. Don't teach publicly what you don't teach privately. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be prioritized. I would, this time, I'd like to call our, our, our existing elders to the front, and um, I'm a little over time right now. Did you guys get something out of this? Yeah. <clears throat> and if, if the existing elders would just stand and face the, stand and face the people, would you guys come, uh, yeah, right down here in the front, front, that'd be great. I just want to quickly explain... Um, There are, there are several elders here, Dr. Ette, uh, Dr. Brian, and Charles Erickson, who are not stepping out of eldership. They're simply stepping back. I call them my elder elders. <laughs> they have between, between the three of them, they're probably averaging between 20 and 30 years of ministry in this church. Can you give it up for them? <laughs> Dr. Ette, Dr. Brian, and, Dr. and Charles Erickson. Almost 30 years, some, some of them. And so I want to pray. I'm going to use these gentlemen along with our, our existing elder, Steve Borst and Gary Connor, who are also uh, going to stay in a church elder function. Um, but I want, to, I want to, first of all, have you see these, these leaders who have served you so well and so faithfully because there will always be elders. Elders are elders for life. Um, but we're going to install some new elders who have specific church responsibilities. And so these three in particular are going to not step out. They're just stepping back. I don't want you to think of them as retired in any way, but they, they can specialize now and they can focus on uh, developing the next generation of leaders. In fact, I want them primarily to participate in the laying on of hands of the new elders. So I'm going to ask the new elders to come up and kind of just be in front of them and face them. So if I could have my new elders coming, uh, let me, as they're coming, Brian Barnes will be a new elder in our church. Uh, Brian Jamros. Brian Jamros. Uh, Mark Mercer, uh, Chuck Lowy, and Herman Fuller. Herman Fuller. And Deb, you can bring a mic too um, if we need it. Praise the Lord. This is what I'd like you to do. Uh, Yeah, you can stand. We're going to pray over them. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have any one of my elders, uh, Dr. Brian, Dr. Ette, Charlie in particular, if you, if you would lead in prayer. Uh, Devin's got a microphone somewhere here. Um, if any of you feel led to kick it off, Charlie, get it to Charlie over here. He can start it off there. Now, I know you guys can all preach, so you got to be brief. I'm already over time. Precise and powerful. Precise and powerful. Okay. That's not on. Hang on one second, Charlie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not on. Father, I'm reminded of that verse in Psalm 119. I rejoice at thy word as one who findeth great spoil. And may your holy word, Lord, be always in the minds and the bodies and the spirits of these wonderful men who are going to be your servants. A great spoil. A great thing to discover. That your word, Lord, you say you magnify your word above all your name. Hallelujah. So may these men of God always call upon you, Lord, in prayer. All, always improve themselves by being in the word, yea, constantly. And the anointing that has been upon this present eldership will pass onto this new eldership, Lord, and they will do greater things than we Thank did. You, they Lord. will serve Thank the you, people yes, better Lord. than we greater have. Things. They will be under the anointing more powerfully than we were. Yes, that they will be doing great things through Christ who strengthens yes, them. And that they the become recognized Jesus. in this body as men of, of God more and more and more and be used by them. Thank and may they always remember that they are servants. First of all, of the Most High God, and secondly, servants of this wonderful group of people that you have blessed that we call Connect Community Church. Bless them, Lord, enrich their lives. Bring them, Father, the word. Bring them into, on their knees, on their faces, and prayer to you on a daily basis that they may do those things that you call them to do in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, if you guys could just spread out just a little bit. I'm going to call uh, Pastor Deej to the front here and his family. You guys are going to come around them at the end of this, okay? Deej, if you could come and Sarah, and you can stand and face the people, that'd be great. And then I'm going to uh, have, have Deej's dad come and my dad come too. And um, Alex, you can just be here with Devonce here on this side. And then my dad, I'm going to have him start, okay? But uh, I just want you to know, um, this is, uh, first of all, my father. You guys all know Pastor Ernie Fry. This is my dad. Um, and, and I consider him, and then this is Deej's father, uh, Pastor De Jesus. I, I believe that um, they're, they're, you got to be very careful about this particular uh, assessment or statement, but there are very few people that you would consider having, that are maybe an apostle or have an apostolic anointing or voice. And I believe that both these men have an apostolic office and an apostolic voice. They're pastors of pastors. They're leaders of leaders. And so I think there's really no better way to uh, speak into the life of a new pastor along with uh, Deej's own pastor, myself, than to have uh, his actual father, who's also a pastor, and then a father figure, uh, my dad speaks. So I'm gonna give it to my dad first, and then I'm gonna turn it over to his dad. Let me say very quickly, Deej, that this morning when we were praying uh, in the office, uh, I had waited until then uh, it would be my tendency to want to perform well publicly and determine what does God want me to say in advance and be sure that it was well done and well presented. But while we were back here praying this morning, the Spirit of God spoke to me these words with regard to you and your office. 
And these, these, these are the things that the Lord laid on my heart. He said that in this time and in this day and in this particular nation where you live, the pattern of leadership and fellowship is reversed. Here, we are concerned from a leadership point of view that the followers are following us. And we're concerned that everyone is paying attention to us. Inherent, as if a seed from birth, in the man that you're speaking to and will speak to, the Lord said to me, the real process that is true from heaven exists in him. No doubt from the influence of his father and the presence of the word of God in his life. Because he is a leader who is concerned about his followers instead of being concerned that his followers are concerned about him. And they will recognize, though may not be taught well, they will, they will recognize this aspect of his character that's inherent, partially because of his birthplace and because of the leader in his life. But more than that, because of my own seed in his soul, and it is that seed that I've called forth into public ministry. It is that seed that I ordain. And it's that seed that I will oversee from now on until the end comes, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. É um prazer estar aqui nesta manhã. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Muito especialmente nesse momento. Especially at this moment. Em que Rodrigo está sendo separado ao pastorado. That she, is, uh, being ordained a pastor. Para mim como pai é uma honra. For me as a father, it is an honor. Temos visto isso na vida dele. We have seen this in his life. Constantemente esse desejo e essa vocação. Constantly this wish and this vocation. E eu queria só aproveitar esse momento like moment para trazer uma breve palavra to bring a short word exclusivamente para o Rodrigo, for Deej, mas é extensivo também àqueles que foram separados do ministério hoje. Porque eu sei a preocupação de um pastor, pastor a preocupação de um líder, líder quando vai separar alguém para o ministério. When this leader will ordain someone into ministry. Nós já ouvimos aqui nesta manhã. We have heard here this morning. Moisés recebendo um conselho do sogro. Moses taking advice from his father-in-law. Ainda bem que não era da sogra. Thank God it wasn't from his mother-in-law. Yes, Lord. Jeremias capítulo 31. Jeremias chapter 31. E o versículo 21. Verse 21. Só a primeira parte desse versículo. Just the first part of the verse. Eu não vou ler o versículo inteiro. I will not read the whole verse. Porque eu quero falar bem pouco. Because I want to talk just a little. E eu sei o meu tempo. And I do know my time. Mas diz assim. But this is what it says. Ergue para ti, Marcos. I'm sorry, church. Capítulo 31, chapter 31 e versículo 21. Levanta para ti, Marcos. Put up guiding pillars. 
Na história do nosso ministério, existem duas coisas. In our ministry, two things are existing. Existem marcos. Uh, there exist pillars. E marcas. And marks. Marcos. Pillars. E marcas. And marks. Marcos são aqueles que você levanta. Pillars are those that you lift up. Com o testemunho. With your testimony. Com o trabalho. With your work. Isso é feito um memorial. And it's made into a memorial. Na nossa existência ministerial. In our existence. E a Bíblia diz para que que serve esses marcos. And the Bible says what these uh, pillars are for. Quando Josué passou o Jordão, when Josh crossed the Jordan, ele levanta doze pedras. He lifted twelve stones. Tirada de dentro do Jordão. Taken from the Jordan. E a Bíblia diz por que era aquelas pedras. And the Bible says why there were those stones. A Bíblia diz assim. This is what the Bible says. Quando alguém perguntar, when somebody asks por que essas pedras, why the stones? Isso é um memorial. These, this is a memorial. Isso é um marco de conquista. This is a mark of a conquest. Marco de vitória. A mark of victory. Porque o futuro. Because the future. Os teus filhos, your kids, teus netos, your grandchildren, as gerações futuras, the next generation, vão dizer assim, will say, por que isso? Why? Que significa isso? What does that mean? Eles vão saber, they will know, que eles passaram o Rio Jordão, that they crossed the, the Jordan, e como marco da vitória, and as the pillar of the aquelas pedras levantadas, there were those stones. O futuro, the future, é que vai mostrar will show aquilo que nós somos hoje what we are today porque são marcos que nós levantamos because these are uh, pillars that we raised Samuel pega uma pedra Samuel takes a stone como um marco de conquista as a pillar of victory como um marco de grandes vitórias uh, as a pillar of big victories e ele diz assim and this is what he até says até aqui Until here, nos ajudou o Senhor the Lord has helped us. quando alguém olhasse aquela pedra When somebody looked at the stone, eles iam dizer they would say, os nossos pais our fathers, os, os nossos ancestrais our ancestors, passaram por aqui crossed. aqui está a marca da vitória Here's the mark of the victory. mas no ministério But in the ministry, também tem marcas there are also, uh, marks. não só marcos Not only pillars. marcos são bonitos pillars são bonitos mas marcas, but, uh, but marks, nós carregamos conosco. We carry with us. Os marcos, the pillars, ficam na história. Stay in history. Mas as marcas, but the marks, nós levamos conosco. We take with us. Paulo disse, Paul said, em Galatas 6 e 17. In Galatians 6, 17. Paulo diz assim, This is what he says. Eu trago, I bear, em meu corpo, on my body. As marcas the marks de Cristo. Of Christ. Ele não disse os marcos. I did not, he did not say porque the pillars, os marcos. Because the pillars, os outros vêm. The other people see. Mas as marcas. But the marks, nós levamos conosco. We take it with us. Marcas do ministério. Marks of the ministry. Perseguições. Uh, persecution. Calúnias. Um, Defamation. São coisas que nós carregamos conosco. Are things that we take with us. As marcas. The marks. Nos deixam cicatrizes. Make, uh, leaves us scars. Por isso Paulo disse. That's why Paul said. Eu trago no meu corpo. I bear on my body. 
as marcas. The marks. Quando nós fazemos história, when we make history, fazemos marcos, levantamos marcos. We raise pillars. Mas também trazemos marcas. But we also bring marks, scars. Jesus levou marca. Jesus uh, bared marks. Jesus é colocado na cruz. Jesus was placed on a cross. Morre. Died. Desce da cruz. Got down from the cross. Deixa a cruz lá e não leva a cruz para para sepultura. Left the cross and did not take it with him. To... Porque a cruz é o marco. Because the cross was the pillar. A cruz é o marco da sua passagem aqui, da, da nossa vitória. The cross is the mark of your passage here. A cruz continua no mesmo monte. The cross still on the same mount. Mas ele desce da cruz. But he gets down from the cross. Com marcas no corpo. With scars on his body. E leva as marcas para a sepultura. And he takes the marks to the tomb. Ao terceiro dia. And on the third day. Ele levanta da sepultura. He raised from the, the Carregando tomb, as marcas com ele. Carrying the scars with him. E apresenta essas marcas. And he presents those marks. Quando ele se se apresenta aos discípulos. When he presents himself to the disciples. Ele olha e diz assim. He looks and says. Vejo as minhas marcas. See my scars. E ele chama Tomé. And he brings up. Diz Tomé, olha as minhas mãos. And he says, look at my hands. Toca aqui no meu lado. Touch my side. E creia. And believe. Marcos. Scars. Nós deixamos da história. Oh, I'm sorry, pillars we live in history. Marcos. Pillars. Nós deixamos na história. We live in history. Mas marcas. But scars. Nós carregamos conosco. We carry with us. Marcos. Pillars. São registros. Are marcas de conquistas. Pillars are marks of con Mas marcas. Uh, são but, cicatrizes but dessas conquistas. Of such a conquest. São cicatrizes dessas conquistas. They are scars of victory. Com os marcos. With the pillars. Nós sorrimos. We smile. Isso aqui é um marco. This is a pillar. Você sorri muitas vezes. You smile a lot of times. Quando você vê a igreja cheia. When you see a full Isso é um marco do teu ministério. It's a pillar in your ministry. Mas as marcas que tem. But the scars that só you você have. Sabe. Only you know. As madrugadas. Uh, during the night. As consagrações. Consagrations. Ninguém percebe. Nobody knows. Quando você está falando com Deus. When you're talking to God. Você está de costa para o povo. Your back is facing. Sem perceber. People, not knowing. Está recebendo marcas. You are getting scars. Porque nós não conseguimos agradar a todos. Because we cannot please everyone. Mas quando nós viramos para o povo. When you turn to the people. Nós abençoamos até aqueles que nos fizeram marcas. We bless even those who caused us scars. E Deus cuida das nossas marcas. And God takes care of such scars. Amen. Deixa eu falar para os obreiros. May I say a word to the elders? Pode falar mesmo você. Não se preocupe com as marcas. Do not worry about the scars or the marks. Se preocupe em fazer marcos. Be concerned about raising pillars. Se preocupe com as realizações. Be concerned about uh, realizations. Deixe que Deus cuide das suas marcas. Let God take care of your marks, of your wounds. Que Deus te abençoe, meu filho. God bless you, my son. Nessa nova caminhada. On this new path. Nessa nova responsabilidade. On this new responsibility. Seja um amigo. Be a friend. Seja um companheiro. 
be a, seja fiel be faithful ao teu líder to your leader. que é isso que você aprendeu do teu pai That's what you from your siga esse exemplo Follow Deus te abençoe em nome de Jesus God bless in the name of obrigado Jesus, Sarah, would you uh, would you just turn and face me? Would you just step back and turn and face me, guys? We're going to wind up right now. Uh, could, I, could I have the leaders come around, Deej and Sarah, and just lay hands on them? All the elders to participate in this as we close in prayer. <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> Hopefully, I can get through this next couple sentences. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter one verse seven says, "For God, Sarah, Deej, did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power." a spirit of love and of self-discipline. I pray in Jesus' name for a spirit of timidity to be gone and a spirit of boldness and courage to come upon you, a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a sound mind. You will have the mind of Christ, says the Lord. The word says in verse 8, Do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. I charge you not to be ashamed of God and not to be ashamed of me, your leader. In Jesus' name, I pronounce, Lord God, the anointing of Jesus on this couple. Lord, would you empower them to do the work of the ministry. Keep them strong. Keep them strong. Anoint them, God. Anoint them, God. The same spirit that's on me be upon them in Jesus' name and all the leaders that are right here in accordance with your word in Numbers chapter 11, verse 17 and following. That anointing now is being multiplied in this leadership in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Welcome your new leader.